stories brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your guest host, Johnny T. And my guest tonight is Diana Winkler, a singer, songwriter, speaker, and abuse advocate. She served as a missionary, planting churches for 13 years while enduring abuse that was enabled by the church. Ten years ago, she started her ministry, DSW Ministries. She uses her music to help survivors in the church heal from domestic violence, abuse, and trauma. She's the host of the Wounds of the Faithful podcast and is a certified facilitator for Mending the Soul small groups. Diana is passionate about helping victims discover that not only can you survive abuse, but you can be victorious. Welcome to the show, Diana. It's a pleasure to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me, Johnny. I appreciate it. So give me a little bit of your background. Obviously, you had an experience with the Lord that would lead you into a missionary focus. So tell me about that. Absolutely. I'm always happy to tell how I met the Lord. I was raised Catholic and in a moralistic household. So I knew what right and wrong was. I knew who God was. I knew who Jesus was, that he died on the cross for me. And I knew I was a sinner, but I never really knew if I was going to go to heaven when I died. You know, going to Catholic school, only the nuns and the priests really were guaranteed to have a place in heaven. And it wasn't until I was 13 years old and my cousins invited me to vacation by Bible school and they were Baptist. And that's the first time that I had heard about, you know, the truths in the Bible and knowing the Lord as your Savior and knowing for sure that you can go to heaven. And I sat up all night asking my cousins questions like, well, what about Mary? And what about the sacraments? And what about, you know, baptism and doing good works? And, you know, they pointed out to me that in the Bible, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that says, for by grace are you saved by faith, and it's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. So that kind of opened up the, the floodgates in my spiritual life. And I mean, I knew what hell was. Catholics definitely know what hell is. <laughs> and I decided I did not want to go to hell. That was the deciding factor. I really wanted to be sure that I was going to heaven. And so everybody went to bed and I had decided I was going to pray and ask the Lord to be my savior. So I climbed up on a bunk bed ladder and I prayed, Lord, forgive me of my sin and please come into my life and save me. And, you know, I think I had the impression that I was supposed to feel the warm fuzzies or, you know, mm -hmm. fireworks or something, but I didn't feel any different. And so I prayed the prayer again and, <laughs> you know, I didn't feel any different, but I thought, well, I think God heard me. And so I went to bed and the next morning I told my cousins what had happened and they were very, very excited for me. Yeah, I um, think it, there's believers in a whole number of different denominational churches, and lots of people believe in God in those churches, but the difference is actually recognizing your sin and, and asking Jesus to be your Savior, you know, because mm -hmm. like you said, it's not of works. So we all need to face that decision in our lives, and, and, you know, thankfully you did it at a younger age than, you know, a majority of the population, right? Exactly. So my parents did not know that I had made this decision and when I got home, my mom was like, oh, you need to go to confession. <laughs> that means you confess your sins to a priest. 
Yeah. And I was like very bold. And I said, I, I don't need to confess my sins to a priest. I can just confess them to Jesus. And that just started a whole avalanche right there. And she says, well, we need to sit you down and oh, let me get your father. And so they sat us down on the couch and asked, uh, what happened at your cousin's house? And my dad said that my cousin's church was a cult and took my Bible away and told me I couldn't be with my cousins or talk to them. This was before the internet, of course. So I was devastated because the, the faith that I had was real. The decision I made was real. And so I was alone for a long time by myself. And it wasn't until I got into sophomore in high school that I met a Christian in my French class. And I told her my decision and she gave me a Bible and used to sneak me off to youth group. <laughs> <laughs> All the other teenagers are out doing drugs or getting pregnant or doing crazy stuff. And then I'm out there sneaking off to church and hiding my Bible from my parents. So I got to meet some Christian friends my age and started to really just devour the Bible and, and my faith started to grow. And it wasn't until I was 18 that I got baptized. We moved back east where my cousins were and I had turned 18. And, you know, now my parents couldn't tell me that I couldn't go to whatever church I wanted to go to. And so mm. I made the decision to finally get baptized in my cousin's church. And then the following year, we had a missions conference and it was really exciting and very impressionable to a 20 year old. And that was when I got called to go into full time service as a missionary. Where did you go in the mission field? I was stateside, meaning that I planted churches mm. in the United States, several states. I also made some short-term missions trips to Puerto Rico and Canada and, and France. Canada. Yeah. Yes, I went to uh, Ottawa and oh, yeah. we helped a church, a pastor in Ottawa. So yeah, that was the start of my spiritual ministry. Oh, that's awesome. So, and you were there for around 13 years, you said? In the mission? I was a missionary for 13 years, probably cutting a lot of stuff out, but I, I married my now ex-husband when I was in my third year of Bible college, and we planted churches for 13 years. That was the length of our marriage. And yeah, it was Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Arizona. I think we did one in Delaware. So yes, that was difficult because as you had mentioned in the intro that, you know, we're missionaries and we're in the service for the Lord and doing Christ work and winning souls. And behind the scenes, I was being abused by my now ex-husband. The problem with that was I didn't know I was being abused and the church kind of enabled that kind of abuse. The environment that I was in fed that kind of behavior. You know, they would teach that women had a, a certain role and you didn't go outside that role and they were not treated very well. And so that was difficult because you had to keep up appearances. You had to have this perfect life and never, never admit that you are having a bad day or that you have any struggles or you have any pain. And you certainly didn't talk about what happened behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. So I would hide a lot of things that would happen at home. And I was miserable. And I knew that the way that he was treating me was wrong. I didn't have the vocabulary to express it. I didn't know what gaslighting was. I didn't know what emotional and verbal abuse was because, you know, pop culture teaches that if you weren't hit, then it wasn't abuse. 
You think of the show Cops or, you know, uh, Black and Blue Marks or Broken Bones. And I didn't know that I was abused because he never hit me. Mm -hmm. But he did every other kind of abuse. Like, you know, there's financial abuse or spiritual abuse using the Bible to control you and to manipulate you Mm -hmm. and make you think less of yourself less than what God thinks of you. Mm-hmm. And it took a really long time, a really long time to get to the point where I don't want to put up with this anymore because I was going through depression. Mm-hmm. And the church, of course, most churches are against divorce. The one that I was in was against divorce for any reason at all. And so I felt really trapped. Well, if I leave, I will lose everything. I'll lose my ministry. I'll lose my church. I'll lose my friends. All my friends were at the church. Mm-hmm. And it was a really long time before I got to my the end of my rope and one of my girlfriends, this was at my my 13th wedding anniversary. I had a really horrible anniversary and cried myself to sleep because I went really, really bad. I called my friend up when I had done this before and I told her what had happened and crying. And she said, you know what, Diana, I'm really tired of you calling me up and telling me (laughs) about this abusive man. You need to get out of there. And I said, well, I can't, you know. Church won't let me. And she said something that I will never forget. She said, you know, Diana, God is not going to stop loving you because you leave your abusive husband. And it just hit me like a bunch of bricks upside my head. I said, you know what? You're right. He's not going to stop loving me. And she said, you need to get out of there now. That was in January, and I made the plans to leave. I just told the Lord, I didn't know for sure, but I, I just told the Lord, I'm, I'm getting out. Whatever the consequences, I'm getting out. And I knew my husband was going out of town in April. And so I made plans that when he went out of town, that was when I was going to move out. So I got my own place and my own phone and squirreled some money away. And when he left for two weeks, I moved out and stayed with some friends till I got on my feet. But uh, that was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah, no doubt. But you know, God says that he makes a way sometimes where there is no way. And obviously, the church teachings sounded very legalistic. Oh, yes. Very like uh, domineering and things like that. And and I'm not going to make any excuses for churches. We know there's good churches and we know there's other churches mm-hmm. pronounce the name of Christ, but yet they're far from a true representation of God's love, you know, through actions and deeds and, you know, other things, teachings, stuff like that. So that is unfortunate that mm-hmm. that was part of your experience in life. But thank God that he showed his immeasurable love to you through your friend and gave you that hope that you could hang on to 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 make your way out right so when you started on that new part of your life obviously you had a lot of things to work through so how did god make himself known to you through that journey because obviously you're starting brand new again you know Mm -hmm. Um, it's later in life and you know god would have to provide for you not only spiritually and emotionally but also in some physical means and things like that so how did god prove himself to you during that time frame from then and to where you are now wow good question 
I, I will say that I never doubted my faith or left the faith, but I was definitely questioned, why did this happen to me? Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely felt it was unfair because it, apparently I, I did stop reading my Bible and praying when I was in the midst of the abuse. I didn't think God was listening. It wasn't until I actually got out, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees. Until you get out, you don't realize, oh, wow, look, look what I've been through. Look all the things that I survived. And I did lose everything. I did all the things that I was afraid of. I was definitely afraid to leave for a very long time because I knew that it's hard to live on your own as a single person, especially in our economy now. (laughs) And I know a lot of people out there that have wanted to leave an abusive situation. They have the same fears, but God did really provide. God did provide me a job and a new church that accepted me as I was and had Mm -hmm. a healthy view of who women are supposed to be in the Bible, who God sees women as. And God did show himself to me that, you know, he's not this big rule maker up in the sky, this, as you say, a legalistic God that, you know, if you make a mistake that he's going to punish you. I really thought that when I left that God was going to punish me in some way. And I was laying in the bed at my friend's house and I don't have a Bible verse for this, but all I could feel was God's mercy and grace and love. And it was overwhelming. Mm -hmm. In searching for a new church, I went to my friend's church at first because she really liked her church. And I think they did Amazing Grace and My Chains Are Gone is one of the songs. And I was just just bawling. Mm -hmm. I was in the front in a big wave of emotion. Mm -hmm. But I think that that was the start of my renewed relationship with the Lord that uh, I'm going to start reading my, my Bible again and start praying and communing with Him again because, yeah, now I'm out of that dangerous and horrible situation. And now I can look forward and God is going to take care of me. And he did. You know, uh, it I wasn't think, easy, you know? No, I, I don't imagine it was. You know, I, I think it's so important that people hear what you're talking about, because there's a lot of people in this world that have succumbed to COVID collateral situations, if I can call it that. You mm-hmm. know, they've lost their job or their marriage has fallen apart, you know, different things like that, right? And they need to know that God is there for them. They need to know that God loves them so much. And it's just a matter of stepping out in faith, you know, to let him prove himself to them, you know, but they got to take the first step and you took that first step. So how has God used all of those experiences? I know that you've written a number of books and you have your podcast and things like that. So how has God used all of that to reach out to others? Like what kind of fruit have you seen born out of that that sorrow that's blossomed into like a vibrant life now for God? Wow. Well, as you know, as a, I'm a musician, and even when I was not talking to God or I was on the proverbial couch with God, I always had the music. And so music was a huge healing tool for me. Mm-hmm. I discovered all this music that I wasn't wasn't allowed to listen to in my old church. And so I started writing music and songs because songs are so powerful. You can communicate really difficult truths and reach 
into people's souls in ways that no other media can. So I had that. And then I really had a desire to start a ministry that would help others that have gone through the same thing that I did, because there weren't that many resources when I left. It was, that was 2008. I didn't know of any resources for people, you know, ministry leaders that were abused. So I tried to start a couple ministries like Bible studies in the churches that I was in, but the doors just kind of kept closing. It wasn't until I started in my current church now that I discovered Mending the Soul, which is a healing group for survivors of any kind of abuse. It was started by a theology and ethics professor here in Arizona and his wife who's a trauma counselor. They created this curriculum and it's psychologically and biblically sound. It has 12 chapters in the curriculum and you meet together once a week and go through this curriculum and you tell your story. Everybody gets to tell their story of what they went through from start to finish. And I went through my own group. My pastor's wife invited me into my own group and I was so impressed with mending the soul and the healing that I got working through all of my abuse that I had gone through that I trained to be a facilitator myself. So I've been doing that for, I think it's five or six years now, and have seen so many lives changed. I mean, baptisms and, you know, rededications to the Lord and people leaving abusive relationships and people learning like boundaries, people learning their worth in Christ, that they're not worthless. Mm -hmm. They're not used up or they didn't cause the abuse. God doesn't hate them. Mm -hmm. And I am really passionate about this ministry. And I started the podcast, The Wounds of the Faithful, as a result, actually, from my small groups, because it's 16 weeks long. And, you know, we had the lockdown. And the only time that these girls had any time with themselves, because they were locked away with their abusers, was our two hours once a week. Mm. And we went a little over the 16 weeks just because they just needed it. But I started this podcast as an extra resource for them. Hey, we're going to talk about these topics still. You can listen to the podcast during the week and, you know, you can call me anytime if you want to chat. So I've been really enjoying doing the podcast and meeting all kinds of people, different experts and other survivors, other advocates. And so I'm almost one year anniversary coming up in November. So well, that's awesome. So if somebody wants to find out more information about Wounds of the Faithful or Mending the Soul small groups, where would they go? Yes, you can find everything you need to know on my website, which is dswministries.org. I have information on there about Mending the Soul. You can listen to my podcast on any of the platforms out there that host podcasts, or you can listen right off of my website. I've got a YouTube channel. Also, you can listen to my music that I've recorded. You can purchase the music if you like and find out a little bit more about me. And I do some mentoring one-on-one -on -one if you need that. Or don't be afraid to reach out for help. I'll be willing to help any listeners out there any way I can. If I if I can't help you, I will refer you to somebody that can. Very good. So we've covered a lot of topics, you know, and I'm sure you're going to get some people reaching out to you based on, you know, what we touched on tonight. And we've talked about different perceptions of what people might think about God. You know, those who are 
experiencing like a very legalistic, fundamentalist viewpoint of God. And those who have broken through that yourself and entered into a, a brighter, freer experience with Jesus. So if you were going to leave our audience with one thought about God, what would you say to them? I would definitely point them to Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future. So those promises are for you that he loves you and he has a plan for your life. So trust in that promise today. That's awesome. That's a great scripture too. And he has more than one plan. He has plans. Yes. And obviously he's fulfilled that in your life too. You know, when you're stepping out, almost like Peter stepping out onto the water, you know, in faith, like you stepped out Mm -hmm. and those plans began long before you did that. So that that's awesome. Thanks so much for being here tonight. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I really hope that people will reach out, especially those who hear your story and realize that there is hope for them. God bless you so much. God bless you. Wake up each day in a dark prison This was not the life you envisioned Surrounded by people but feeling alone You can't find the courage to survive on your own You're always told to be quiet and submit In this marriage there's no option to quit Shoved her in the car and punched her in the jaw.
Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.